It is time to take back the motherland. It is time to take our freedom back. Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Last night, incumbent mayor of Detroit, uh, Mike Duggan, and state senator Coleman Young II faced off in their only debate before the mayoral election on November 7th. What you just heard just there was one of the more pointed comments during the debate from Coleman Young II talking about why he should be the mayor of this city. Time to take back the motherland. Time to take back our freedom, he said. Both candidates came out swinging during the debate, accusing each other of incompetence, questioning each other's character and integrity. Here's a clip of one interaction between Young and Duggan during the debate. I'm not going to have my record questioned about me voting on laws or making laws when my opponent can't even follow the laws. He admitted to bid rigging and colluding on television. How is he going to criticize me on how I vote and don't vote? And we don't even know whether or not he's going to jail after this debate is over. I think it's wrong. I think it's shameful. We deserve better leadership. Mayor, you got 30 seconds to answer that. Boy, for a guy who's sensitive to criticism, you sure don't mind uh, making stuff up. Very pointed exchange there between Senator Coleman Young II and Detroit Mayor Mike Duggan, just one of many uh, during the hour-long debate that was broadcast on WDIV uh, here in Detroit. Uh, We're going to talk much of the hour today uh, about that debate, about how the candidates did, about how you, the listeners, are reacting to the things that you saw last night. We want to hear from you about what you thought about what Coleman Young II said about the city of Detroit, taking back the motherland, taking back our freedom. What do you think he meant by that? And do you agree that that's what this election is about? Do you agree with Coleman Young II that uh, Detroit Mayor Mike Duggan has been involved in bid rigging and might be headed to jail? Uh, these are some of the things that they said about each other last night. I also want to hear, though, what how you view debates like this. Are you watching thinking that you're going to hear something or see something that changes your mind about the way you're going to vote uh, on November 7th. And did you hear something or see something last night that made you think differently about one of these candidates or the decision that you're going to make at the ballot box? We want to hear from folks who live in the city about how they plan to vote on November 7th and whether last night's debate uh, informs that vote in any way. We also want to hear from folks outside the city, though, uh, who live in this region and are affected by the things that happen in Detroit. What did you think about uh, the things that Coleman Young in particular said about Detroit and who should own Detroit? Who should be in control of Detroit? That's rhetoric that we have not heard in explicit terms as those uh, in a long time. Is it a welcome return to have uh, the, the issues in the city uh, cast in those in those kinds of uh, in those kinds of contexts, or are you worried that that throws us back to a time when the relationship between the city and the suburbs was a little more uh, acrimonious? Three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number on the phones. That's three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. What did you think? of the mayoral debate. That's where we're starting the show today. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, uh, and we'll work you into the conversation. Here to talk about how the candidates did and how the debate might inform Detroit voters, 
ahead of their decision are Chastity Pratt-Dossie, who is a reporter for Bridge Magazine and was one of the reporters asking the candidates questions during the debate last night. Also, here is Eric Lufer of the Citizens Research Council of Michigan. Chastity and Eric, welcome to Detroit Today. Hello, Detroit. Yes. Hi, thanks for having us. Yes, uh, Chastity, it's good to see you this morning. I assume uh, you, uh, you got a good night's sleep after the, after the, the tough duty of, of uh, being part of that debate last night. One of the things that was really clear from the get-go, on, at least on the screen, uh, was the animosity that exists between these two men. I, I guess I was a little surprised by that, only because... Uh, I, I don't think they have much to do with each other, right? They, they certainly haven't appeared together anywhere else during this campaign. I don't think they talk to each other. So to see them together and to see that there really is uh, a lot of friction between the two of them, uh, it, it caught me, I guess it caught me a little off guard. I wonder what that felt like in the studio, both when the debate started, but also as someone who has uh, been a moderator on debates like this, what happens before? What happens as you're getting ready in the studio uh, to go on the air? A lot of times uh, the most interesting stuff uh, unfold, <laughs> unfolds before yes. the camera switches on. Absolutely. Uh, like I was telling you offline, it was um, it was it was tense before it even got started. <laughs> you know, there was a bit of a tiff over whether or not they had agreed to allow notes and the mayor who seemed irritated just from off rip, mm -hmm. said, I thought we said no notes. And um, Coleman Young said, well, nobody told me that. And there was, you know, a scramble where the producers had to check the, the communications between the camps. And then they uh, essentially um, decided, yes, yes, we checked all the notes and the emails between the camps. We agreed, no props, no notes. So they had to um, take the notes from Coleman Young. And, and I mean, this was literally like when we were going 10, 9, 8, like the <laughs> countdown. They were it's like, coming. give me those notes. <laughs> and so there was, a, there was a tense moment. And there was also something something interesting that I didn't expect. We were sitting at the table again. We're ready to go on. And we're shaking hands with the candidates. And uh, Coleman Young drops a copy of his certificate of live birth and certificate of baptism on the table in front of the moderators. And we looked at each other like, okay, wh what's that about? Mm -hmm. So it was, I've never done this before. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you've experienced it. I don't know. No, no but, one's ever <laughs> given me their birth certificate before a debate. <laughs> Not even a pop. No, uh, well, it was, uh, it was, it was interesting. Yeah. And there was friction and, and irritation on the mayor's face just from the yeah, I mean, well, that was obvious on television. I, I wonder what you think Coleman Young II was trying to say by giving you his birth certificate and, and his baptism certificate before the debate. I, did he expect that, that his name would be part of the debate? I mean, I, I know he called himself Joel <coughs> Loving for most of his life uh, before he was uh, an adult. He, he changed it at some point. Did he think that was going to be an issue during the debate? There was no indication from our table that we would be asking that. And the questions were not given to the camps beforehand. So I can only assume he thought that it would come up. I mean, I mentioned it briefly in the question about public integrity. Right. I said, you know, you've been accused of building a political career on your father's name. But um, he didn't know I was going to ask that, and I, I wasn't asking it because I was inviting a copy of his life, <laughs> certificate right. of life birth. You weren't but, disputing who he was. <laughs> not right? at all. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, a couple tense moments there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Eric, I always wonder 
how debates, especially in uh, modern politics, how they inform voters. Voters uh, can get information uh, so much easier now about candidates. They can have uh, much, much closer interactions with candidates than, than they used to be able to because of social media and things like that. Does the, the old-fashioned debate, which last night was two guys behind podiums being asked questions, uh, being told not to, to get into it too much with each other, uh, uh, but, but uh, you know, stepping off, uh, off script every once in a while to do that, D- does, that really, does that really give a candidate uh, the kind of exposure that he or she needs? Does it, does it move the needle uh, in terms of voters? Yeah, I don't know how much it moves the needle. Uh, I think most of the debates— you aim not to hurt yourself when right. you go into them. Yeah. And as the front runner, you almost have to do it as a courtesy, but it's really to the benefit of the challenger to be in the debate and, and get name recognition and get people to see you as a legitimate candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, so Duggan has a, a reputation, a history to run on four years in office, the accomplishments that have happened during those four years uh, name recognition, face recognition. Uh, insiders like me who've watched the state Senate and, uh, you know, we certainly know his history, know of Coleman Young and know of the things that he's tried to accomplish in office. But mm-hmm. uh, for the average person who doesn't pay attention to this stuff, there isn't that sort of recognition of who he is and what he does. Right. So this is an opportunity for a challenger to get out and and be seen as a legitimate candidate and try to stand toe-to-toe with somebody who does have that reputation. Yeah, well, and and uh, assess the performance last night. Did Coleman Young II pull that off? Did he look like the mayor's equal uh, in terms of, uh, you know, the political context here and, and the decision that voters are making in November? Yeah, so a lot of what he had to run on, a lot of what he had to talk about were you know, ideas and and sort of, pipe dream type things that if given a chance that we can make a difference on this or that, uh, I think the hardest thing to do in Michigan or perhaps any state is to run as a a candidate having a history in the Michigan Senate Mm -hmm. as a Democrat. You've (laughs) got a a 30 or 40 year history of being in in the minority party, not having a say on what policies are being implemented, what things come to a vote on the floor, any of those types of things. So uh, he's got to come up with ideas and show that his ideas are different than Duggan's and there's an opportunity to do things different, to think outside the box. So uh, yeah, he had some good ideas and and he was able to um, spar with the mayor. Um, Did he make a difference? Did he sway any votes? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Chastity, I'll ask you the same thing. Of course, you're neutral in the sense that you were one of the questioners, but how did how did uh, Coleman Young do in 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 holding his own with, uh, you know, a mayor who's more experienced at all of this than 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 he is, and who has four years in this job to run on? I I, I thought going in the stakes were higher for Coleman Young than they were for Mike Duggan. Uh, the questions you asked from my <clears throat> from 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 my seat, I thought Coleman Young did pretty well, uh, sort of. Making his point, keeping to the message that he's been trying to to, to craft in this campaign, which is that uh, Detroit's recovery is not benefiting everybody. I think a lot of people mm-hmm. feel that and agree mm-hmm. with it. How did he do in sort of capturing, though, that spirit uh, during the debate? Uh, clearly, that was his 
you know, MO going in. I'm going to really um, just give a lot of volume to the idea that there are two Detroits and there's one that's being left behind. You know, he started off, you know, it's the worst of times and the best of times. You know? <laughs> um, and uh, he, he stuck to it. I mean, in a debate, the moderators, we're really trying to get them to debate the issues, but we're clear that they're politicians and they have their speaking points. They're going to turn it around. <laughs> they're going to skip the question. They're just going to say what they want people right. to hear. You answer the question you want to answer. Exactly. And so he wanted people to, he really wanted to harp on the point that, you know, the average Detroiter is poor and that the recovery is not happening for them, that the average Detroiter has a problem with, you know, crime and insurance and, and things of that nature. So he, he stuck to his points. He made, uh, he, he really gave a dug and a gut punch when he said, you know, crime is down no matter what you're doing. It's not working. I mean, that's clear, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so he, he kind of put the mayor on his heels on a couple of points there. But um, Eric is right when he talks about, um, I, I asked a question about public integrity. That was an invitation for each of them to, you know, address the criticism against him. And one is that he's got limited legislative accomplishments. And so I said, you know, you ha you've been accused of having limited legislative accomplishments, <laughs> you know. And so he, that was his opportunity to say, I did X, Y, Z, elemental P mm -hmm. in the legislature. And he mentioned a couple of things. But, you know, that was like not what he was there to do. Yeah. He was there to talk about the two Detroits and to talk about how there are poor black people in Detroit that are not not being helped by this administration and that he's going to be their hero. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guests are Eric Lufer of the Citizens Research Council of Michigan. Also here is Chastity Pratt-Dossie, a reporter with Bridge Magazine, was one of the questioners last night for last night's mayoral debate here in Detroit between Detroit Mayor Mike Duggan and the challenger, Coleman Young II. We're talking about how both candidates did during the debate. We're talking about the things that they brought up. Coleman Young uh, very strongly talking about uh, taking back the motherland here in Detroit, taking back our freedom. Uh, very loaded phrases that uh, we have not heard in mayoral contests here in the city in many years. What did you think of him saying that? What did you think of the things that Mayor Mike Duggan said about what he had accomplished during the first four years in office? Uh, we want to hear from folks who live in the city, who watch the debate. Uh, what what did you expect to see in terms of the decision that you're going to make on November 7th? And did you see something that changed your mind or maybe you made me, maybe made you think a little harder about that choice. We also want to hear from folks who don't live in the city, uh, but who are affected by the things that happen here. What did you make of the dialogue between these two candidates? What did you make of the things that Coleman Young said about Detroit and who it's for, who it should be for? Uh, did you think that was a welcome return of those kinds of narratives in Detroit politics? 313-577-1019 uh, is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Let's start with Ian in Detroit. Ian, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, thank you for having me on this morning. Sure. Um, I think that for starters, I think Mike Duggan's gone great over the last four years, and I thought his tone was much more uh, realistic and forward-thinking than Senator Young's. I worry that some of this almost like pseudo-Detroit nationalistic rhetoric he's spewing is really going to take us backward into a much more acrimonious time between the relationship, or but the relationship between the state, our surrounding communities, and the city. And, you know, as somebody who moved down here five years ago from the suburbs. Um, I think that if we move back towards that approach to 
governing the city, we're going to lose a lot of the great gains we made under the Duggan administration. So, so Ian, let me ask you a, a question. Uh, yeah. The, the, the point of uh, Coleman Young II's narrative here, I think, is to highlight the gap between uh, what someone like yourself, who's been here uh, for five years, moved here from the suburbs, may be experiencing in Detroit, and what people who have had to live here uh, for a much longer time and sort of endured much more and seen a lot of the decay that has happened around them. Uh, I, he's trying to point out, I guess, that difference and the importance of trying to address that difference. Uh, do, do you agree that that's, that that's something important to be, uh, for a mayoral candidate to be doing and just not like the terms that he's casting it in? Or do you disagree that that's the way... Uh, uh, things are, are unfolding here in Detroit. I would say I agree that's the way things are unfolding to an extent. However, I also think that if things are going to get better, it has to start somewhere. And I think that everyone would love it if everything could be great throughout the entire city in one fell swoop. However, you have to start somewhere and a rising tide rises all ships. And so we're seeing the development spread out from the downtown core. And I think that it could probably be going more quickly, but um, making the perfect the enemy of the good could do a lot of harm, yeah. okay. I think, in our, at this point in our fragile recovery. Yeah, Ian, I, I, I appreciate the call uh, and your thoughts. Uh, Eric, respond to, to what Ian's saying there. Yeah, so I've been thinking a lot about this sort of uh, the scenario that's playing out, and the analogy I use is a, a flower blooming, that when you look at Detroit's creation whatever, 200, 300 years ago now. It was sort of what we now call downtown. And over time, like a flower, it bloomed and became the the geographic area we now know as a city. But it's retrenched now. It's sort of lost its petals and it's just the <laughs> bud again. And it's going to take time for those petals to rebloom. So, so we do have that. Now, when you look at the finances of a city, a city cannot solely survive on the residential properties. Mm -hmm. The cost of running a city are greater than that. So it requires having a commercial and an industrial base to sort of pay for the services that are mostly consumed in the residential areas. So the way it's playing out creates a lot of tension, and there is the idea that downtown and midtown are doing a lot better than the neighborhoods. Yeah. Uh, I think that's sort of a natural progression that's going to take time, and it's, it's uncomfortable. It's, you know, you, you would like that rising tide to raise all ships, um, but it's not going to happen overnight. Yeah. And, and so we just have to keep laying the groundwork so that eventually it gets to where we want it to be. And, and so I guess the question for Mike Duggan, Chastity, is have you laid the groundwork and are people going to start to see that benefit if you live at uh, Seven Mile and Gratiot or mm -hmm. – uh, Livernoy and and Greenfield, uh, the same kind of stuff that you're seeing in downtown and midtown. It's interesting if you remember back, the mayor didn't really talk about midtown and downtown a lot. You know, nobody even brought up LCA right. at all. And, you know, and we just built this billion dollar arena mm -hmm. in this little you know, town of restaurants and everything growing up around it. He didn't really talk about that. And I suspect that that was part of his, you know, MO. It's like, you know, let me really 
fight back this um, point that Coleman Young is making that I'm not in the neighborhoods. And he talked about um, investing in shopping districts and neighborhoods. He talked about trying to fill in housing and neighborhoods. He didn't talk about Midtown because that's his weak point. Because yeah. honestly, the median income in Detroit is $26,000. It's one of the poorest cities in the nation with high unemployment and crappy schools. And the average Detroiter is not getting anything out of Midtown and downtown. Right. And and that's how come you got 27% of the vote was not a good turnout in, in the primary, but that says 27% of the people are saying, Mike Duggan, you're not doing anything for me. Mm-hmm. No, but I push back on that some because I think we can document that response times are, are oh, all of that increased. Is, and, yeah. and so that wouldn't be happening if there was not a tax base to pay for it. And that's what's happening from downtown and midtown. Some of that is bankruptcy money. Well, some of it's yeah. bankruptcy money, but but a lot of it, there is turnaround. There's companies coming in. The tax base is growing, and that's paying for service. Income so taxes have been going up for for a bit. Property right. taxes have uh, not not kept pace, but that, that's a whole different. The reason you heard the motherland comment was because he it was the you know it was the dog whistle to yeah. all those people who are not you know seeing you know anything compared to an LCA mm-hmm. and and you know you don't have anything compared to LCA in Brightmore you know it's not coming up near Denby and Osborne right. you don't have anything to compare it to and um, you know gentrification this is how it happens it happens for and by the gentry at first the people with money and the idea is that it's going to trickle down into the neighborhoods and when it if it does or doesn't is the job of the mayor and yeah. so that's why he didn't talk about the gentrification he talked about what he um, is doing in the neighborhoods. Yeah, yeah, and he, he has talked uh, a lot more about that in the last, I want to say, eighteen months to twenty-four months than he did in the first few years of uh, of of his being mayor. He also last night brought up uh, several times uh, the the I think it's one hundred and twenty or one hundred fifty million dollars that they're going to put into neighborhood sort of infrastructure projects, beautification, uh, beautification, that fronts. kind of thing, mm-hmm. all the kinds of things that are. That are in quote unquote neighborhoods and not midtown uh, and downtown. He was trying to speak to you know the average Detroiter, even though we know that you know voting is down. You know, he, he, I mean, he can't not address it. It's right. the big deal. Yeah. Again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number on the phones. Uh, let's go to Gene in Detroit. Gene, welcome to Detroit today. Oh, good morning, Stephen. Hey, How Gene. are you? I'm good. How are you, Gene? Uh, I'd like to make the point about. Uh, Coleman's comment about the motherland and uh, Duggan's response. Uh, <clears throat> basically, what he was alluding to was the fact that we haven't had democracy in this city for over five years, beginning with the consent agreement that moved us to the emergency management, then to bankruptcy, then to the grand bargain, and culminating now in the Financial Review Commission which uh, not only oversees uh, finances, Mm -hmm. but in a lot of instances sets policy uh, for the city and and overrules uh, many things that the the mayor and city council, our elected officials, would like to do. And and that uh, Mayor Duggan did not not bring up the fact that while he and Brenda Jones both sit on the Financial Review Commission, Oftentimes, she's at odds with many of their decisions, sure. while he always uh, votes with Governor Snyder's appointees. Yeah. I, and I'm sorry that uh, neither man, man 
made a, more of a point of that. Yeah, because I, that's a fact. Gene, I, I, I think you're right that that uh, it was a little strange that there wasn't more talk about that. I expected uh, Coleman Young II to to be the person who might inject that into the debate. He never took. Uh, the opportunity to, to to bring any of those issues up, but but I do think that the things that he's talking about resonate with the uh, with the issues that you're bringing that you're bringing up. I think there are a lot of Detroiters who feel exactly uh, that way. So, Gene, thanks very much uh, for the call. Uh, Deborah in Detroit uh, called and couldn't stay on the line, but she says I think Coleman Young II's platform is running on racism. Black people came to Detroit when it was thriving with jobs. We need to get those jobs back comments about the motherland are inflammatory and dangerous uh chastity uh you and i grew up in this city at a time when people talk like that all the time right mm-hmm. politicians said those kinds of things all the time uh and and you could get elected in detroit pretty easily <laughs> by saying that right. um is is coleman young the second taking a risk by trying to go back to a time that a lot of people think of as not having been terribly productive. Even uh, I, I can think of people I know who even agree with those sentiments who think th- that just didn't get us to where we wanted to go. And going back to that space is probably not going to get us into the future. Stephen, we've never left that space. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Detroit right. is all mostly people of color in the suburbs are mostly white because we've never left we've that never space. We've never gotten past it, right. So um, for him to say it in such blunt terms was inflammatory. But again, he he knows that there are certain people that are going to, you know, their t- antenna is going to go up and they're going to hear it. And his hope was that that would bring them out to the polls. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Eric, what? How does that resonate, though, with this idea of the new Detroit? All the people who've come here, people who work here now, some of them live here and will be uh, uh, voting here. Does that does that play at all? No, I, I don't think it does play very well. Um, and also, when you think about some of the solutions for Detroit, uh, Detroit proper, but the greater Detroit area, uh, we so many of our issues have been rooted in racism and it's divided the city and the suburbs for so long. Uh, you look back to the RTA vote as a recent example of it. And uh, you, clearly race plays a part in, in those votes. So to continue to bang on that drum isn't going to get these communities together, isn't going to get the region together to think about the greater good. Uh, it's, we're going we're gonna to grow together as goes Detroit, so goes Livonia and, and Sterling Heights. So we need the city to prosper for the region to prosper. Uh, so to continue to push it apart, I don't think is in the best interest of everyone. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I th- again, I think one of the things I think is true is that if you had a different vessel for that message in this election, if it was not Coleman Young II, who I think is probably too young, and maybe a little too inexperienced for a lot of people to take seriously, but but sort of put that message in somebody else's mouth, somebody who has more experience and more weight with the Tories, I, I actually think uh, the mayor might be in more trouble. This would be a much closer election. Um, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, uh, let's go take uh, one more call here. Uh, Eric in Detroit. Welcome to Detroit today. Hey, good morning. How are hey, you doing today? Good. How are you? Oh, fine. 
Um, one of the things that I, I want to say is that people continually act as though the, the development of the rest of the city um, is going to be a natural consequence of, of developing downtown. Right. And I don't see why anyone thinks that. Unless you push for it, it's, it's not going to happen. Um, so you can't fault a candidate who pushes for it. The second thing I would say is Mayor Duggan, and this drives me crazy, keeps saying Project Greenlight works when there is literally no statistical evidence that it works at all. Um, and, in fact, there's really nothing more than sort of money grab by uh, vendors, a lot of whom are outside in the suburbs. Uh, so Project Greenlight, which is the, the, the cameras that they put at uh, at gas stations and other places where, where crime tends to sort of, I guess, aggregate, uh, I, there isn't data, I guess, to, to, to suggest or none that I've seen. That suggests how well it works, but we do have some anecdotes, I guess, uh, about that. Uh, well, the city has released some, I guess, preliminary estimates saying, you know, um, crime is down by fifty percent in these areas. Um, the, this is statistics co- coming from the police department, and we know that the police department's crime statistics have been called into question very recently. So, right. um, right. you know, it, it. I mean, it's widely used. I drive around the city. I saw one on a clinic. You know, they, they're not just at gas stations. They're on, you know, everything sure. now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, Eric Lufer of the Citizens Research Council of Michigan, Chastity Pratt-Dossie, reporter with Bridge Magazine. Uh, thank you both for being here on Detroit Today. Anytime. Yeah. Thank you. All right, up next we're going to talk with author, activist, and pastor Jim Wallace about the role of women in the struggle for social justice. Stay with us on Detroit Today.